Okay, so if you have not met Kennedy Owen before, Kennedy for the past year has served as our intern in our children's ministry. A super important role for us, especially uh, Cammy Ronick is on sabbatical right now for the summer. And uh, so Kennedy's been kicking into high gear. Normally she works with third and fourth graders. She's also setting up at the dock. And Lake Point's a church that, that empowers people in their gift. And so like when we look at Ken- Kennedy... We see like a mini cami in, in, in the making, and so I thought it'd be fun for her to at least do the kids portion of the message today, uh, by which I'll come up afterwards and talk to the grown-ups. This is not the world's easiest thing to do for your very first time, so why don't you give some encouragement to Kennedy? I'm just going to look at you guys, okay? I'm not going to look at the adults. They freak me out. <laughs> I'll pretend it's just like in the dock, Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? I know, they're so scary. (laughs) All right, so we are talking, we're gonna be talking about Mark chapter 10 today, okay? So Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. It says, people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. So up until this point, Jesus, he was baptized, he was traveling throughout cities, and he was blessing people and teaching them about the kingdom of God, and he was healing people, and he was answering questions, just doing, you know, all the things that we know and love about Jesus, right? And then we get to this point, and people, or parents, were bringing their children to bless their children. But the disciples said no. They were like, you know what? We don't, no thanks, right? Like, we don't, we don't want that. <laughs> and I don't know why. I wish I knew. But they just said no. And although Jesus was healing children throughout his whole journey, and the disciples saw this, they said no. And when Jesus heard heard them that they were saying no, he got kind of upset. He was like, no, no, don't stop them. Bring them to me, and I will bless them. And verse 14, he says, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And such as these as in you guys, right, as in children. The kingdom of God belongs to children. And we all know and love children, and we know that the kingdom of God belongs to them. So as Brian said, I am in the dock every Sunday, usually preparing the classrooms. Um, I do the pleasure of teaching in third and fourth grade classrooms, typically twice a month, I would say. Um, And I have about a dozen or so of you guys in third and fourth grade. And I have one student, Nora. She is a kind-hearted, helpful, shy young girl. Um, And I can tell that she wants to learn and know more about the kingdom of God. I can tell that with um, working back there. Um, I have another student, Alex. Um, he is energetic and funny and not shy. Uh, <laughs> um, but he's also helpful and he's inquisitive whenever we have a lesson. Like he's always asking questions. Um, and I can tell that he also wants to learn more about Jesus back in, in Sunday school. And I have the opportunity to see Jesus in both of them. Um, just throughout our activities, through our lessons, just seeing them every week and interacting with them, I can see Jesus in both of them. 
And I can tell the kingdom of God belongs to both of them. And it belongs, and I love that all of my kids are different, and I see something special in all of them. And I love that I can see that, and I get to teach them and just get to know them. Um, and that's what I love about the range of kids is that they're all different and they're all special. And the kingdom of God belongs to, you know, the, the shy and helpful Noras, and it belongs to the energetic and funny Alexes, um, but it also belongs to the, you know, artistic first grader and the brave fifth grader and the loving, observant third grader. It belongs to each and every one of you, right? The kingdom of God belongs to all of you, and it's made especially for you. And we all know and love that about all of you guys. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said that the kingdom of God belongs to all of you. That's it. Great job, great job. So we're going to do a little more at the tables, and we are going to fill in the blank. What did Jesus mean? Well, when he said the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. What is so great about kids? So you got a kid at every table. Uh, you also have a sheet at every table. So right now, whoever holds the sheet is in the, one, the one who is in charge of the conversation. No one's holding the sheet, but you're the one closest to it. God bless you. It's going to be fun. Uh, if you are online right now, I'd encourage you to talk to the people in the room or use that chat field. This is a great way to answer these questions. We'll have them on the screen for you. Uh, it's a moment in which I want the adults to speak into the kids at the table. If you happen to know the kids at the table, this is a really special moment because there are things that you would say you, you just haven't lately. And uh, this is just as special if you don't know the kids at this table because you get to talk about kids in general and they get to hear it from a voice they've never heard before. So uh, these are the two questions I want you to answer and uh, the two blanks I want you to fill in and I'm going to give you eight minutes to do it. The first one is this. I notice about kids what? You fill in the blank on what you see as so special about kids. Why does Jesus love them so much? Why do you love them so much? Why, why are they just so special and you're so glad they're here? Fill in the blank on that. And if that does not take all your time, your second one to answer is, I pray for kids that, what? When, when you take your prayers to God for kids, what is it that comes out in the, that moment? Uh, you don't necessarily have to pray for them if you don't have time in, in this given moment. But to say, this is the prayer that God puts on my heart for kids like you. I think your kids would love to hear it. I think a lot of our kids would say they don't know what we're praying for them. But I'm sure that all of us are praying those prayers just about every day. So now's the chance for it to come out. Eight minutes at your tables. Have fun. All right, slowly come out of your conversations now, and I'll uh, try to share a few words with you from here. All right, I hope you had a fun time at your tables. And uh, I wish I could have got around to everyone's table and heard the kind of words that you were expressing by speaking that kind of truth and that kind of value into the life of kids around you. I popped in on a couple tables, and I'm hearing words like, like curiosity. Like, like Jesus must have loved just, just how... Kids all ask great questions, and they're always trying to learn things. Now, I'm sure there's a stage in life where it feels more like they're questioning you, but at least early on, right? Like, it's the younger the kid, the more curiosity and questions that are coming out. Uh, I also heard things like innocence. They're, they're just non-presuming. They're, they're not jaded. They haven't 
been hurt or seen things in the world like like a grown-up may have. And so just just that acceptance, that amazement, that that innocence that goes uh, along with them. The word bravery came out. Like let's let's just go for it. Let's just let's charge ahead and dive in. In, into things. Uh, there's a trust and a faith to kids. Uh, a family shared with me a couple weeks ago, their, their daughter was late coming home from a bike ride, and the question was, where is that? She's like, this really nice man offered me uh, a bunch of candy to come sit in his yard for a while. That's not always a good thing, kids. Like, okay, October 31st is take candy from any stranger. Any other day of the year, like, you, you got to rein back some of the innocence and some of the trust, and, and, and we know that, but it's Kids love, they're throwing themselves into hugs towards people. There's hope. They, they dare to dream that their life is going to turn out to be the best life ever, and everyone's going to love them, and they're going to love everybody else. So much of what Jesus teaches us, and our scriptures teach us, that, that, that we're going for is, is found in a child. So, so, so which one is it? What, which one do you think Jesus was like pointing to on that day? I, I think a lot of us would say all of those things. And at the same time as I was sitting with, with, with Jesus and, and asking him the question, like, why, why did Jesus love, uh, love, love kids like they were grownups and love talking to grownups like they were kids? I felt like the, the, the word I was supposed to bring back to, today was present. Just talk about being present with the moment that's in front of you. Uh, just, just think about it for a minute, okay? Like, just in the course of the uh, 45 minutes this service has been going on so far, um, how many of you have thought about something that's, like, sitting out on your kitchen counter right now? Or a tool or a ball that's been left out in the yard or something that needs to be prepared in time to get on to whatever you're doing this afternoon? Be honest. You know, did, did anyone think about something like that? And it's funny because why? You're, you're here, you're not there, but you're... Your, your mind is there. Or uh, uh, how, how many of us, as we go throughout our work week, are, are constantly thinking about stuff uh, that we need to fix at home while we're at work? And when we get home, what do we do? We, we think about all the things we need to do for work. I, I, I'm no genius on time management, but I think it would be more effective to be at work when we're at work and do home when we're at home. But we're constantly placing ourselves in the other place. We're, we're never going to be fully at where we are at because our mind is always somewhere else. Uh, we, we love as grown-ups to think about the future, right? Like the, this renovation project we've been dreaming up for years and we can't wait till we finally get to it. Or that vacation that we want to plan this time next summer. Or what's it going to be like when our kids are out of the house? Or what's it going to be looks like when our kids come back to visit the house? What is it going to be like when we retire? What, what would our lives look like differently someday when we have enough money? What, whatever that means. We just love spending a lot of time thinking about the future. And it seems like when we're not thinking about the future, we spend our time thinking about the past. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but we love replaying like what, what we wished we would have done differently. Or what we should have said to so-and-so after they said such-and-such. To, to us. We love replaying in our minds what the good old days were like when, when this particular person was still with us or before that life-changing circumstance happened. Those were the good old days, and we spend our time thinking about that. Flip it around this way, though, and imagine for a second that someone asked you for your advice. Just They came to you with an honest question. What, what, would, what would be better? 
to, to live your life in the past, to live for the future, or to live in the present. If someone's asking you for advice, it's, it's better to spend most of your time in one of those three areas. What, what would you say? Like on the count of three, give me your answer in one word, past, present, or future. One, two, three. It's a wonder, though, <laughs> that we do so little in the present and spend so much time in the past and the future. But that's what I feel makes the children in our lives so special. They are in the present. They are fully invested there. They will fully feel whatever is going on in that present moment. They will fully express whatever they have going on inside of them in that moment. They will fully experience what someone is giving them in that present moment. That's why kids, if you haven't noticed, they like they scream and they squeal with joy. It doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter if we're in the middle of a library right now and the environment doesn't consider. Like, joy is present. And they know it's just got to burst forward and spill to everything around them. They're just there with that joy. And the same thing with the tears. That's why a kid will go on wailing with kids just flowing down their cheeks over the smallest of scraped knees. Why? Because hurt is present. And tears want to be present with that. And because they let the tears come out, it cues to someone else that love is needed in this moment and someone meets them there. You see, I think a lot of our lives as grown-ups would work that way, where things like love would drop into the right place, the right way, at the right time, if we were fully present in those moments. Love would show up. I think we'd have a lot easier time at faith we weren't always living in the past and, and shooting for the future. And instead, just asking, what does God have for me in this moment right now? And, and that's why Jesus comes along here, and this is, this is kind of intense. He, he says, grown-ups, I want you to know this. There is no other way than this. Verse 15, if you could put it on the screen again. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. It's not that it's harder. It's not that it's an uphill battle. It's just, it does not work. You cannot know what the power of the gospel is. You cannot experience the work of Jesus in this world. You don't understand what the reign of God in your heart is like now and forevermore. Praise be to Jesus. Without becoming a child. So the, the, the stakes are that high here, and so I'm going to do a little, uh, I'm going to try to explain some more. Kennedy did a great job teeing it up, and then I'm just going to take you back through the same text that she read for you all over again. Mark 10, verse 13, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Okay, these people, I assume are their parents. I don't know what other random person would grab a child and take them to Jesus. So let's just assume we're talking parents in this moment, and I want all of you to know here, whether you're the parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, guardian, foster parent, whoever you are, you play such an important part. Without you persistently pushing kids into the presence of Jesus, well, this story today that we're talking about wouldn't happen. Yes, we're talking about the kids, but there was always a guardian and a parent behind that kid pushing them towards the things of God. And so I don't care if your kid is two years old, 12th grade, or, or, or going on 35, you still play a role in pushing your kids towards Jesus. And it's odd that the disciples are trying to block this moment from happening. To us, at least. 
Uh, understand in their world, it, it, it was different. In our, in our world, it's, you know, the politicians want to be seen kissing babies and the ref, uh, the relief agencies, their poster is going to have a child on it. And uh, us as parents are, are prone to taking out home equity lines of credit to get, sign up for youth sports. Like there's all sorts of craziness going on, right? Because there is value in the virtue of, of caring for kids. In their world, though, the infant mortality rate was so high and the need for domestic labor was even greater that it just didn't afford itself the same affections for kids that we have in our world today. So as we're reading this story and running, like, what's, what's the deal with the disciples and the kids? Everyone else in their world was wondering, what is the deal with Jesus and the kids? This is the bottom rung of society. No one's lower. Like, for whatever issues they had with ethnicities and discriminations, we can all agree the bottom of society was still kids. That was their world. And so surprising, verse 14, that Jesus sees this and he becomes indignant. That word means to vent your frustration. If you can like picture a pod boiling and, and steaming up on, on, on your stovetop where that steam's just leaking out the side and eventually you take the lid off and the steam fills the whole room. That's what Jesus is doing with his disciples in the moment. He says to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. So, so it's like this, right? Um, Cole, can I have your help here for a second? Come, come on up here real quick. Jesus is telling this story and he's like, I'm just so frustrated right now. Nobody gets it. Get, get on the stage. Hurry up. Uh, I, I, I told you, I told you back in chapter 9, Jesus is like, I told you, like, while you were arguing who's the greatest in the kingdom of God, I told you, like, no, go back to being like a child. That was one page ago. Now, here we are, chapter 10, and you still don't get the story. So I'm going to have to up the ante. Like, my gospel is for all people. All right? I surprised you when I brought my gospel to the non-Jews in this world. I shocked you. When I spoke my gospel directly to women, and no one in that day would do such a thing, I confused you when I touched sick people with my gospel, and I disgusted you when I dined with prostitutes and other sinners so that they could feel the gospel all around them. But you're still not getting it. But let me get, help you get the point. Let me grab the bottom rung of the society. And someone, someone got a kid? So, so someone give me a kid. And so Jesus comes up to this kid, and he's like, all right, by, by the way, this is as small as they get in my household right now. So this, Jesus is like, become more like this, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus would have taken a smaller prop with him. Uh, I just thought it'd be weird to ask for one of your kids and then randomly pick it up. So I, this is as small as I, I got to work with. And you even look in the, in the text, if you put verse 16 up again, uh, it doesn't say that Jesus hoisted the kids up. It's like he, he picked them up. Or back in 14, it says it's a little child. Man, this is actually getting really hard. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Jesus was smart enough that day where it didn't look quite like a sack of potatoes trying to be held here. But he's still saying, look at this. Become like this. Yes, the love, the innocence, the non-jadedness, all of that. But, but in the middle of that, just, just be present. Because look at this kid. He let me pick me up. Which one of you grown-ups is going to let you, me pick you up? He just was present in that moment. And the reason, kids, 
are so present in these moments is because they can't help doing otherwise. They're helpless. They, they, they have to. My goodness, you are heavy. All right? So, so like, picture a, a legit little child, all right? Like an infant. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, stay here, stay here, stay here. I thought I was going to be able to go the distance, but I got to hit the weight room or something, kid. All right. So it's a picture if I was holding the infant instead, right? And, and the picture of helplessness that would be there. Uh, can, can an infant even feed itself? No, all, all it can do is open its mouth. Someone else has to help him with the rest. Can, can, a, can an infant in a crib full of warm blankets, can they pull that warm blanket over their shoulder if they're cold? All it can do is shiver. Someone else has to help them with the rest. Infants don't know how to console themselves. They, they don't know what they're upset about. We don't know what they're upset about. Like, you, you have to enter the picture just to get them back to an emotional state of calm. They need that kind of help. And while Cole here is, is not as helpless as an infant, like, uh, if it weren't for his mother and I helping us, he'd only tie his shoes once a week. Monday, there'd be one knot. Tuesday, there's two knots. Wednesday, there's three. Like, he just tries to knot it up and just tie his shoes once a week. We got to help him. Or cleaning his clothes. I'm not sure you would do the laundry if mom and I weren't in the picture. There'd just be, like, the same shirt every day, and, like, the spaghetti stain would grow from here to there to, like, we'd have, we'd have ketchup all over the shirt. And he, he needs help. He needs help to make sure his homework gets done. He'd... He, he, he needs help to practice some decent hygiene. You, you want to know what would be crazy? Leave a seventh grade kid to make his own hygiene decisions for a week and just like picture the smell of the world around us, right? So no, he's not as helpless as an infant would be. But any child that Jesus would have grabbed would have sufficed to say, become like this. Say, I need help. And the kid in your life right now is that kind of blessing, teaching you that kind of lesson. All right, you can get out of here. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> Cole Hoffmeister, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> you see, if Jesus held those kids in, in, in front of people, and if the lesson was supposed to be, be like, be like a child, be like their virtues, you know, uh, trust as deeply as they do, love as readily as they do, they'd be like, shoot, that's bad news. There's no way you and I can go back to trusting like we did as kids. It's just not going to happen. But if that day Jesus held up a, a little kid in front of him and said, be more like this, a kid would just let him be scooped up and be present for that be, because their helpless state didn't even allow them to do otherwise. That's what Jesus is going for with you. That's how you receive the kingdom of God. Helpless as an infant on our worst days, still helpless like a seventh grader on some of our better days. The gospel of Jesus just doesn't make sense any other way. There are days where all you can do is open your mouth for, and wait for him to feed you and shiver and wait for him to, to warm you up again like an infant. There's going to be your other days where you're further along, but at the same time, you ain't going to change your clothes or 
stop smelling as bad as you do without Jesus coming along to help you, you clean up your act like a, like a seventh grader. You don't have to bring your righteousness. You don't have to build your plan to receive the kingdom of Jesus. It's just like being a child. We start practicing words, words like, I don't know, or I don't think I can. I'm just not sure anymore. And most importantly, the words, I need help. To just let yourself break down and be like, like that little kid, like, I just, I just need dad to show up and do this one for me. Or, or at least take my hand and walk me along and teach me how to do it all over again. Because this time I, I just don't know how. And whether that's for something going on inside of you, whether that's for something going on in a strained relationship with another person, whether that's something, just, just your outlook of where life is going, to get back and say, I just like a kid on this one. And if I don't get help, there's nothing else for me to do. All I can do is wait for him to clothe me, feed me, and clean me all over again. And kids, that's why Jesus loves you. That's why you love, we love you. You're teaching us so much about Jesus every day. And thanks. God, I just pray that you'd work some things out in our heart. We were told to grow up so much along the way, and, and we did. And in the middle of that, a, a real honest evaluation is just, we're stuck and settled and sitting in moments that are staying the same. Had we been able to do something about it, we would have done it by now. Many of us have tried everything we can. And just to come back to this humble place of saying, Jesus, I need you. You're a savior. You gave me your all. And you said you got a good father behind you. And, and, and what I want right now is just you. Please help. Take our hearts there. Wherever each of us need it most this day. And thank you for these beautiful kids that illustrate that so well for you. In Jesus' name, amen.